welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we review the 27-18 away win at Connaught in the Champions Cup in a weekend of scattered with COVID cancelled games. What does this mean for Bristol's future in the tournament? We'll also preview the Boxing Day trip to the Stoop and speak to some Quinns fans to get the lowdown on their form and the players to watch out for. All this and more in this week's show. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined on the phone by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, guys, really good to speak to you. A um, bit unusual to be doing it on a Monday evening, but uh, that's what happens when we have a, a, a late game on Sunday. So uh, let me come to you, Miles, first. Um, uh, did, did you enjoy that game uh, yeah, yes, uh, yesterday evening? Uh, well, well, boys, I, I mean, I was working all day yesterday uh, and I've only just finished watching the game about half an hour ago. So it, it was a bit weird. It was another one of those situations where I knew the result. So it was less on the edge of my, on the edge of my seat. But I, I, and as, as you suggested rightly, skip the first 34 minutes and watch the rest. And, and thus I did. And we'll, we'll come on to talk about the game. But yeah, average, I say. Yeah, and Pete, um, what what were your thoughts uh, on on the game? Well, to call a cliche, it was a game of two halves, Tony, wasn't it? But uh, I think Miles is a bit harsh. There were a few good things in the first half that I think we might, might pick up on, but obviously we were watching it live at the time, so we were paying more attention. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you've got to be. Let's be honest. This was a this was a winning ugly job, wasn't it? Um, it was never going to be easy. You mentioned last week, Tony, that going away to any team in Ireland was going to be hard, and the conditions were poor, and uh, they they had a disruptive game plan, didn't they? So, you know, really, look at the result. Bonus point win is what we wanted. So I think overall, it was a, a good job done. Absolutely. A bonus point win in the Champions Cup, not to be sniffed at at all. And uh, Lee, one of the things I just wanted to ask you, because, um, you know, we've all missed our rugby um, during this, this lockdown period, but I couldn't help but think that in a parallel universe without COVID-19, might the four of us had been over in the west of Ireland enjoying a Guinness or two um, last weekend and uh, watching that game? Can you imagine what that would have been like? I think that would have been fantastic, Tone, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, we're absolutely desperate now for, for well, not, not just an away trip, but a home trip at the moment, aren't we? But, um, yeah, I can imagine, because uh, we, we could have been over in Galway sampling some, some lovely fresh oysters and, uh, and a pint of Guinness. That would have been absolute perfection for me, too. Right then, Miles, over to you. Who stood out in the in the game for you? Uh, you know, we, Pete's talked about a game of two halves, a, uh, a, a kind of dull, low-scoring first half and uh, certainly a far more eventful second half. But, um, you know, what, what do you think made the difference in that second half? 
Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, as the boys alluded to, the conditions are pretty awful. It was a bit like a sort of muddy event at the rack, wasn't it? Um, so, I, you know, it was hard for the boys to get some speed behind them. I mean, it's hard to say why the first half was sort of um, so tough for either side, really, and only a sort of a, a, a score coming on about 34 minutes. But... Um, I mean, you know, Pat went there with a mission. It's his old club. And both sides really came out firing in the second half. The speed picked up massively. I mean, I was super impressed with Connaught right to the end. But for us to sort of, you know, bang out four tries really was, was brilliant. I mean, I, I don't know quite what turned it around in the second half. Perhaps you boys can uh, allude to what, what went on. But I was, I was, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the second half. Pete, Pete let me come to you because I, I felt that first half, it just seemed to be... Um, you know, sloppy penalties by both sides. They kick, then lose the line out, and then somebody would knock on. The game never really got going, did it? Until uh, until uh, Burns scored on thirty four minutes. Yeah, Tony. I mean, it was really thirty minutes of uh, penalties and line out malfunctions, really, from both sides. And and it appeared that yeah, the only way that you could get possession was by getting it off the opposition, and that came at a fairly regular regular. Um, uh, skip there so yeah I mean it was it was a frustrating frustrating half for fans to watch I'm sure it was very frustrating for the players but I think uh, you know I think Connaught uh, you know disrupted a lot we, we didn't get into our flow and I think we actually started with a bit more of a tighter game plan anyway there was quite a lot of kicking early on that we don't see so much of and we didn't try and spin it wide too early so I think we tried to learn a little bit from the uh, Claremont game but unfortunately, got didn't really get into any sort of rhythm until you know until the second half. And Lee, I don't know about you, but did did you feel at any time that Connor were likely to win that game, or, or or was it just a matter of you know waiting for the Bears to click in the second half? Um, did, were you concerned that we 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 might actually lose that? No, I, I think we were the better team from the off, really. I do agree with the, the boys, though, that uh, it, the, the first kind of 30 minutes was absolutely error-strewn. But I think that we actually, a lot of our, a lot of Randall's box kicks were too deep and they didn't give us any chance to chase up. And subsequently, the ball was coming back to us again. And it was almost like that kind of tit-for-tat wait, waiting for someone to make the mistake first. But unfortunately, in that first first 35 minutes, everyone was making mistakes. So it, it, it didn't really work out that way. But um, I think once Bernard scored, um, I think that really was... And you, can, you could say, well, obviously, um, Bundyaki's uh, yellow card did turn the game because subsequently we scored two tries in that period. But I don't think even if... He hadn't have been yellow carded. I, don't, I still don't see Bristol ever losing that game personally. No, we, we, we certainly that 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 was a, a key point. But I think even without that, we looked strong enough to um, to to go on and win. But um, some great scores there. Ed Holmes, fantastic effort um, to 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 get over the line. Um, Miles, what 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 did you make of Ed's performance? Was that one of his best in a Bristol shirt? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was. I mean, out of all the sort of the, the forwards, really, he's the one I had my eyes on for most of the game. I, yeah, I thought he had a blinder, really. Um, and to score that try where he sort of the, uh, the tackle wasn't held and he stormed past and, and uh, 
touched the ball down over the line was just great. Yeah, he had a fantastic game, I think, and he's sort of really growing into that position. I think with um, uh, Vui injured, he's uh, he certainly sort of one you sort of picked first for that position. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, and and Lee, let me come to you. Piers O'Connor, people were purring about his performance, got the man of the match. Um, Maybe not one of the greatest post-match interviews ever. Um, I don't know if uh, he he was a bit nervous or a bit distracted, but uh, he's certainly turning into uh, a a quality player, isn't he, that can play, you know, uh, across that back line. I think Piers O'Connor has probably impressed me more than than anyone in the last few weeks. I think some of the, I mean, the defence. I, I certainly think he's improved his defence, and some of the the movement and the lines where he cuts inside have been absolutely brilliant. But Tony, I will say, did you worry again when he put the ball down for the try? <laughs> That's the third time in a row, isn't I know. it? <laughs> it's becoming a really, it's becoming a really big thing now because I'm I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, just put it down nice and nice and easily, you know. But he always just seems to I don't know whether he gets so excited that he actually forgets for a split second. But even then, it was still oh, you know, a little bit, little bit dumpy. Absolutely. If he keeps on like that, he is going to drop one over the line, isn't he? Because, um, yeah, there there seems to be just a split second of control and uh, then he's off again. Now, now, um, Pete, come to you because for me, there were two really big talking points um, in in that game. Um, And I'm going to give you both of them. And that was uh, Nathan's dreadlocks. Um, and then Max Lahif with an attempt at a pink barnet. Now, t- talk me through <laughs> what you think about th- those boys' efforts. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm disappointed. You, know, you obviously now typecasted me as the barnet man. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my missus was watching the game with us, and when Max Lahif Heath came on, Max Lahif, sorry, she was aghast. She was like, "What? If you're going to do it, do it properly." Don't do it half cut, and, and I feel you know I th- I've always thought Max was a, a full on sort of guy, and I feel that he just pulled back right at the last minute with the hair dye. Um, perhaps he saw Pat coming or something when he was doing. It. I mean, it looked like he kind of did it in the toilet at half time. You know, just it wasn't really done properly, was it? No, um, I see. see I my theory is that he did do it properly. Whether he's lost a bet or anything, and uh, they, they said front row bet, you've got to dye your hair pink. Yeah. And then I think Pat seen it and said to him, get that out of your hair. So he spent the whole of the first half in the shower with the, the old, uh, you know, shampoo, um, trying to get it out. And uh, that's about as best as he could do. I think you're right. I think either way, he uh, he, he had to do something, didn't he? He suddenly realised it wasn't such a, you know, it's not it's not Instagram now, is it? <laughs> when you're playing in the West, in Galway, in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the rain at Pat's old manor, you've got to take it a bit more seriously. As for Nathan, I mean, we know Nathan. He's a bit of a, you know, he's a bit of a maverick, isn't he? And I think, I think he gets away with it now because his performances this season have been nothing less than, than fantastic, really. And, and again, to, on, um, you know, on Sunday yesterday, he was barnstorming. I mean, he's really, 
he's, he's really becoming a very, very important player to us. Um, whether we stick him out right wide so we create a kind of big guys versus small guys situation, um, or whether we stick him through the middle, you know, he is becoming a. He's getting his form back that perhaps at the time he got picked for England, which is uh, which is something. Although I, I don't think Eddie Jones will ever pick him again, and I think we really, you know, stupid, ridiculous haircut aside. Um, some of the carries he made um, were were actually vitally important. They set up a lot of uh, a lot of uh, well, it set up Ed Holmes to try, didn't it? Because it was a it was a Nathan Hughes carry and offload that then gave it to, to Holmes. I mean, Holmes was a bit disappointed. He only had one man to beat. I mean, against London Irish last season, he beat about three, didn't he, on the way? So it was a bit of an easy one. And I just whilst we're talking about carries, I, you may have mentioned this. Um, you may go to Metric Home. I'm going to get in there now. Is I thought Carl Sinclair had his, his most potent game that I've seen for a while. And some of his carries were really good. And it, it I wonder whether he'd, he'd watched the Harlequins game before and had seen them get absolutely schooled by Rassing and, and suddenly realised that he was actually onto a good one being at Bristol and uh, decided to really go for it. But I thought, I thought he'd, he'd got his mojo back a bit um, yesterday and, and look forward to, to some more stuff from him. Uh, absolutely. And um, Miles... Uh... What could have maybe turned the game against us a little bit in the second half? Of course, Siali Piatal's yellow card. Um, what what were your thoughts on that? I mean, it's the, you blinked and you missed it. I mean, I mean, fair enough because um, you know the Bundyaki got sent off in the, in the in the first half, but um, but then Connacht problem the problem is it, it, in in their sort of 10 minutes we scored two tries so I, I was sort of had my head in my hands really thinking that Connacht would turn it around and they certainly did step up the pace really at the end um, uh, and certainly get some points on the boards but it is what it is he came back on with three minutes to go I know the game extended to about 84 minutes didn't it but yeah I was, I was a, bit, a bit worried for those 10 minutes and, and Lee, one one thing for you, and this, I, I don't know if you noticed it, but what I quite enjoyed um, and am enjoying about the um, the coverage on BT Sport is that, uh, you know, we had a couple of Irish, uh, well, commentators and, and summariser um, there, and uh, also uh, just hearing a Scottish voice from, uh, from the referee, um, as opposed to, you know, the same old people that we, we tend to get uh, for the Premiership games, both uh, in the commentary box and on the pitch. Um, does that make a difference to you, or do you not do you not even bother about uh, who's who, who's talking? I think he's struggling to find the the, uh, the volume on his TV, isn't it? Lee, most of the time. <laughs> I, um, I I enjoyed it actually. I thought it was nice. It felt more. Um, I, I think it, it felt more intimate, if that makes sense, because obviously these people know Connacht uh, and they've kind of their base there and I enjoyed that um, I, I, got, I can't say this though I don't know if you guys thought this but I didn't realise the referee was Scottish for, for about 20 minutes in um, but he had some he had some menacing eyes on him that referee uh, and as my mum would say his eyes were too close together <laughs> and uh, he, he, certainly, he certainly looked a bit dodgy to be honest with you and I, I'm not sure I would want to meet him down a, down a, a, a dark avenue really um, but one thing I didn't like was that stupid crowd noise that kept piping in um, and it was just 
it was something in nothing, wasn't it? I mean, did you guys hear that as well, or was it just me? But I just thought that was terrible. Yeah, I think I think it's a very difficult thing, isn't it? When when you hear the games without any noise, um, it does feel a bit um, uh, stale, a bit hollow. Um, so I think it was a good good thing to do to put the, the crowd noise on. But I think I think you need to get the the, the kind of volume and the. Um, the right kind of noise as well at the most appropriate time, which they cert- they certainly struggled with a little bit. I mean, it was interesting when you look at the stats: Connor fifty two percent possession, sixty percent territory. Um, Bristol made four hundred and thirty six meters to uh, Connaught's two hundred and forty seven. Um, Piers O'Connor 111 metres in the game um, second most metres was Max Mallins on 81 can anybody uh, there we are I'm going to come to the three of you now um, third in the metres made with 71 who do you Is think it an obvious one who do you think go on then you go first well I'm going to go for Noelaga right uh, Pete Hughes and um, Miles something a bit out there maybe Byrne he just carries so much I don't know Brian Byrne wrong all of you oh (laughs) I know it's gonna I know it's gonna be them thing what it's gonna be sheets no it was the Bristol (laughs) it was the Bristol Mall that made 71 (laughs) metres Um, You know, we've talked about this on previous games. It really is. uh, I mean, Connacht didn't really have any answer to our our driving mall, did they? And uh, side entry most of the time. Side entry and penalties, but um, you know, seventy-one meters in a game with a driving mall—that is that is quite quite incredible. And I'll tell you the other thing that just pleased me, just to to kind of round off things on the game, was. Actually, our game management at the end. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I thought we managed it really well, as opposed to Connaught, who, why did they not kick that penalty deep into the red to get a losing bonus point where what, they, they called for a scrum, didn't they, to try and get a try, which would have given them a losing bonus point. Um, yeah. It just seemed a crazy decision. I think their fly-off wasn't very happy, was he? One other thing that uh, I don't know if you noticed, I certainly had my... Um, uh, it, it, it worried me a little bit, was uh, Nualago's New little chip out of defence that he, he did in the second half, um, <laughs> where instead of booting it into touch, he decided he was going to just, just loft it 10 or 15 metres up the park and, yeah. and try and collect it I think that, that's the rug, that's the rugby league in him that hasn't quite uh, hasn't quite come out yet but, uh, but, he was, but he was he was fairly solid though wasn't he I thought he was quite good under the high yeah. ball um, and, I, and you could tell he's just waiting to be given that chance where he can actually just unleash the uh, the speed really uh, absolutely, yeah. uh, it's been unfortunate, hasn't it? He he hasn't had the ball given to him yet in what a game and a quarter uh, yeah. uh, where, where he can actually attack it, really. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be good to see him when he does get it. Yes, yeah, sorry. Tara, can I just make one mention before we go I, I, of Callum Sheedy because I, I don't think we mentioned him. I think uh, I thought defensively 
what a great game Callum had. And mm. not just tackling, but there was a couple of big rips in the game. Yeah. Key times. And, and the thing that I really enjoyed was that in the second half where he ripped it off uh, Bundiaki or, or, or Bundiaki <laughs> kind of forced him to knock on. And Callum was like right in his face. Now, normally, I'm not massively keen on this whole kind of celebrating when you win things like knock-ons and stuff like that because I just think it comes back to bite you all the time because it, it, it yo-yos all the time. But on that moment, I thought it was brilliant because Sheedy was so pleased about it. And Bundiaki kind of smiled at him, didn't he, and laughed a bit. And I was thinking, mate, there is you have got nothing to smile about there at all and none of your teammates are smiling you have been schooled by some guy that's half your size and uh, that to me was a, was a great moment and it was really important as well um, I thought Sheedy you know he, he, his kick it was difficult kicking conditions for him um, he didn't have his greatest kicking game but I just think we we underestimate how important he is as a as a kind of foundation to everything that goes on in our our side and we wax lyrical about Lloyd and Matt Malin, which is absolutely correct. But I think we'd miss Sheedy if he wasn't there all the time. I would ab- I would absolutely agree with that, Pete. And also there was a try saving tackle by, by oh, Sheedy yeah, as well. Mm. Um, yeah. and another and, and also, the first half, wasn't it? Yeah, and also on that note, um, a try saving tackle by Ben Earl as well, which which Bizarrely, they they um, the Connacht players were trying to ask for a TMO on, um, and it was absolutely fair and square. So you know, fair, fair, absolutely agree. The sheet was was brilliant, and um, and even though Earl was quiet, he still he was still doing the basics, wasn't he? Absolutely, and I think yeah. you know we we haven't mentioned it, but Stephen Luatoa coming back in as well, just that that calm influence that we have with him. Yeah. Um, certainly, I, I wouldn't say it was a spectacular game for him, but you know, for the first game back to have him back there, um, I think you know that that makes a that makes a huge difference. Well, at the uh, Pool B, I think we are in at the end of the weekend. Uh, uh, Leon have ten points. Racing ninety two have ten points to. Lose ten points. Munster eight points. Claremont and Bristol each have six. So it's going to set up really, really interesting now for the third round when we get to it in mid-January. But uh, of course, we are now back into Premiership action. Action. So uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been able to speak to some opposition fans about Champions Cup opponents. Well, now we've got Pete's Premiership preview. Pete, you um, you you spoke to uh, a couple of Quinns fans, so let's just have a listen and uh, hear what they had to say about the game on Boxing Day. So I'm really pleased to be joined tonight uh, by uh, Gavin and Jason from Nev's Left Boot um, Harlequins uh, podcast, or, or perhaps a slightly lapsed podcast. But hi, guys. I really appreciate you coming on today to talk to us about um, the, the game that's coming on Boxing Day. But before we talk about that, I was wondering if you could uh, just tell us a little bit about your background as Quinns fans and your podcast and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, hi, I'm Gavin. I, uh, I've been going to Quinn since the uh, early 90s um, when I was about 10 um, and travelled all over to go and see him. Uh, we've been mates since uh, the late 90s and we ended up starting a podcast for Holocrins in um, 2010. 
And that went on for about five years before he abandoned me and went to New York. Um, and we've struggled to keep it going after that. Uh, does that seem about right, Jay? Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for the abandonment comment. That's, uh, that's yeah, really nice. Yeah. So yeah, Gavin and I, um, we, as, as you mentioned, we started going together because he, he was a fan uh, when we were friends. And then I became a season ticket holder a couple of years later. So I think I started when uh, Quins were in the championship was my first season as a season ticket holder back in 2005. It's a very bad experience for him because they won all the time, which for anyone who watches Quins regularly know that doesn't happen very often. So. Yeah, it was, we, we lost one game in a season. I was really disappointed and I had to keep getting told that, that it, life was not like this all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, so we did that. And then as Kevin mentioned, yeah, I moved to America for a few years and uh, we, we put it on hiatus. Right, anyway, both of us have, have had a little hiatus in the Champions Cup, but we're back on the Premiership treadmill on Boxing Day. So I wonder if you could, could give us a bit of an idea of how you think Quinns have started this season and how they're generally playing. Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of positive. The least said about the last couple of weeks, the better. Um, but it's definitely been tempered with reality, is what I would say. Um, got stuff by Exeter, which seems to be everyone else's bag, so that's not the worst thing ever. We beat Saints and Gloucester relatively comfortably, but that's not a massive barometer. Style-wise, we struggle when we come up against big, big teams. That's the biggest issue. So Exeter were very steamrollery, um, Munster, very steamrollery, Racing, very steamrollery. So as long as we play teams that, you know, don't aren't all just like 20 stone, it seems to be acceptable. What do you reckon, Joe? Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. It's a good, uh, I, I think actually it is a pretty decent barometer this season of where Quinns are. And it feels like there is definitely the top end of European rugby, not just premiership rugby is full of guys that are, you know, they've got a lot of beefy guys. They are really, you know, they're going to try and power you out the game first. Um, and at the moment, Quinn's, I don't think we've got the pack to deal with it. And we definitely don't have the back line to deal with it. Um, but when we come up against some of the kind of more mediocre teams uh, that don't quite have that consistent level of power across the pitch, we do okay. Um, we like to explain do... a mistake as well. That's the other thing. So like if teams <laughs> want to play a bit flash and then they drop it, we're going to pick it up and we're going to run at them. Yeah. So it's pretty decent too. I mean, I mean it's, it's a decent, I think we've got, we're starting to get a bit of a pattern of uh, the, fo- the forward play. I think that, the attacking side of um, the game, it kind of, it took a little while to coalesce under Nick Evans, but it feels like it's coming together in a bit more of a pattern now. Um, and the defence is still probably a little bit kind of, it either shuts the door pretty strongly or it opens it and then all stand back and let, lets you through. So it's probably still got some room on that one. So, I mean, you've got some pretty well-known players. Um, I'm thinking the likes of um, Danny Kerr and you've got Marcus Smith and, Don Brandt um, that have had quite a lot of um, coverage and Joe Marchant as well. But I mean, are there any other players that we should be worried about that we should look out for next week or, or are they your big boys? I think um, the big thing this last sort of season has been uh, Will Evans to a certain degree. Uh, you know, he's came from Leicester last season. Um, he's just that classic sort of poacher back row. He's in every single ruck. His hands are always on the ball. Lots of tackling, bags of energy. Um, and that back row from a Quinn's perspective, now that Chris Robshaw's gone, I mean, there's four guys who are the regular starters. Um, Tom Lorde being the old man at 27 with uh, Evans and Don Brandt at 23 and uh, James Chisholm just tipping over into 25. So there's quite a lot of uh, youthful kind of expectation there. Um, and then... Um, in since the start of the season, uh, uh, Northmore's been playing it outside centre. He's been coming from Marchant. He came up through the same university, Cardiff University team as uh, Don Brandt the year below, 
and was captain by Don Brandt at the university level and then has come into the Quinns level. So he's another guy that if he gets some game time has been quite popular. Have you got anyone, Jay? Well, I think a couple of players that stood out for me, but partly because I didn't know them very well um, from when I was in the US. Like, uh, I think Scott Steele's been a pretty good acquisition for us. You know, nice backup to Danny Kerr. Um, obviously, been at London Irish for a couple of years before he came across to Quinns. Um, and he's, you know, 27. He's maybe not quite the uh, young up-and-coming discovery, but he's, I think he's shone pretty well. He looked uh, look pretty good whenever he's come on. Um, and then the other guy is... Uh, Hugh Tizard, uh, guy that came, uh, played his first game for Quinns this season. Um, yeah, 20 years old. He's 120 kilos. Uh, England under 19 international. Now he, I, I think I don't think they were expecting him to come into the team this season. So it feels like a, um, maybe he's uh, still got a little little bit of room to grow and a little little bit to learn. But he looks definitely one for the future. Um, I think that a little bit of the challenge we've got at Quinns actually, and part of the reason for the season is that we we seem to have a our first choice team seems to be a bit of a mix of you've got players like Danny Kerr and Mike Brown that are probably more towards the end of their careers. And then you've got some very good players like Tizard and, um, uh, and, and that, that are much younger and still kind of learning their trade. Even Don Brandt, to a certain extent, you know, Don Brandt is still really learning his trade. Um, we don't have that many people that are kind of the mature heads in the gap that are, you know, still really, really at the prime of their career, but are also they've been around enough to kind of make a bit of a difference. So that's uh, that's really interesting to hear about, you know, all of your Harlequins players and your thoughts on that. But uh, what do you do? You, do you know about Bristol, and and you know, do you know much about them? Are there any players that you're particularly worried about, um, Jason? What do you think? Uh, well, I think there's the the, uh, the obvious ones. If you do ever get Semi Rodrada back, I think uh, that that will definitely worry us a bit. Um, I actually I really like the look at Max Maylands. Um, I think he's a really really good, uh, good player. You know. Uh, uh, will score a lot of tries and do a lot of good for Bristol and I think um, Nathan Hughes is having a pretty pretty good resurgence at Bristol actually felt like uh, he did tail off a bit before he moved over but seems that um, yeah he's uh, he's rediscovered some of his vitality coming back into the, his game so yeah I think that it's definitely um, a very very good squad uh, and you know it's it's not any any kind of uh, secret I don't think everybody's seen Bristol play over the last couple of years seen put together a very very good side Play some great rugby, um, you know, and, and is backing up with some pretty decent power as well. So yeah, it's um, well, I'm, I'm cautious about the game. Let's put it that way. Well, I was very kind of you to uh, to say all those things, and I think those are the sort of guys that we yeah we talk about on the podcast a lot. Um, but Gavin, I mean, do you see any weaknesses? Do you see any cause for optimism for your boys on Boxing Day? I think I think um, I think Quinns will fancy the game a little bit. Not as I think I think because of the way Bristol play. I think um, Bristol like to play with ball in hand. They like to play a lot of phase, and I think um, Quinns will enjoy that. And I think both teams will look to offload and kind of get the ball moving. And I think that could mean that you know weather permitting, we could have a good game. Um, in terms of the players, I mean, like for me, I'm a massive fan of Harry Randall. I think he's a really good nine. I'm always surprised when Bristol stop with urine ahead of him, which always kind of is intriguing. So I think Harry Randall's just so, he reminds me of Danny Carey when he was first started out. He's just so buzzy and so fast and alert. Um, and I'm also intrigued to see, um, I know, I think he, I think he started today, or if not, he, he was on the bench. Um, is it now Lego? The Fijian guys come from rugby league. I've seen quite a lot of good stuff about him. And I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he settles into that team. And I think what's quite interesting is you look at the way that um, Bristol has set themselves up. They've got some 
big, hard carrying um, sort of runners whose jobs are to bust through. And then they've got some lovely runners that come off for that to really exploit that space. So just coming around that corner, you look at someone like O'Connor, you look at the way that even Sheedy gets involved with that. Again, Randall keeping that ball moving. Um, and some of the way they kind of bring those players in. Uh, and Malins has been exploiting that because, of course, the way he joins, joins the line. And it's made by the fact that you've got people like Nathan Hughes and, you know, John Affair and all these players kind of just smashing through. And although they don't necessarily break the line, they always get over that game line. And if they can get quick ball out, it just makes it so hard to defend. Um, and ultimately, that's what Quinns have been trying to do. You look at the way they play. Um, they've struggled. They've got two locks who are so much higher up level than the guys are playing at the moment who are both injured. And they're the guys that are meant to be smashing that line and knocking it back to create the space for the others. And I think that's a weak link in the way that we've been going on in this season. Uh, I think it'll be, I hope it'll be a good game. It usually is. Mm, yeah, no, it was, I mean, I, it was the last live game that any of us saw at Ashton Gate before lockdown. And obviously it was a good day for us, but uh, you know, the, the game at the stoop last season, um, obviously we lost that one. So, you know, it's always, it's always a good, good game. Um, so I think what we'll do is we, I'm going to put you on the spot boys. I'm going to uh, ask you for a, well, you can either give me a result prediction or if you want to be really brave, go for a score prediction. We tend to do that on the podcast as well. So it'd be interesting to see what you two think. So Jason, I'm going to start with you. What, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to, oh, I just feel so bad uh, predicting against Quinns at Christmas. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really good, good game. I think it's going to be two teams that are going to want to uh, play a decent amount of rugby. And therefore I think if there is going to be, if there is going to be, I don't think it's going to be a nine, six game. I think there's going to be quite a few tries. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say Quinns by seven. Quinns by school. Cool. Gavin. Yeah. I mean, I think um, weather dependent, if it's dry, um, I feel like, yeah, I think both teams will really go for it. And I think, off the base of the way the weekends have gone as well, I think Quinns will be itching to get back out there. So, yeah, I, I would hope to see um, maybe a, yeah, a narrow victory for Quinns. But I think Bristol, if they turn up and put all of their game together and just reduce down their errors, they could, they could definitely take it. Well, Pete, really, really good interview again. Um, and uh, yeah, certainly a couple of boys that uh, were knowledgeable about the Quins and uh, pioneers of podcasting as well, by the sounds of it. Yeah, really nice blokes. Um, I had to do quite a lot of digging on Facebook and Twitter to find them because they stopped doing their podcast about two years ago for various reasons, but did start in 2010, as they said. So uh, I I kind of felt a little bit in awe, actually, of of talking to them. But yeah, very knowledgeable guys, very honest about Quinns. Um, and uh, and uh, you know really enjoyed it. In some ways, I really we had quite a lot of a chat anyway off off recording, and it was just really nice to have a bit of banter with some opposition fans. Actually, uh, that obviously that's something we've missed, um, or any fans apart from you <laughs> you three. Um, so it was a, it was a, it was a kind of refreshing little thing. So yeah, I think uh, really interesting, and and obviously they uh, they predicted Harlequin's wins, but um, you know I think they both knew it's going to be a, a tough game next week. Absolutely. So that's uh, box. Day the 26th of December, 2 pm kickoff, Harlequins versus Bristol on BT Sports. Uh, Bristol, of course, we're in third place on 10 points, Quinns also on 10 points and in fifth place. Miles, let me come to you. Um, what do you think about team selection? Uh, how is Pat going to play this one? Do you see uh, many changes from the team that went to Ireland? 
Um, I guess it depends whether he wants to sort of rest a few few of the internationals um, who obviously haven't had much of a break since the end of last season. But uh, I mean, as we know, Quinns are a flipping good side. I mean, despite them getting uh, hammered by Racing at the weekend, um, they're a very dangerous side. You never underestimate them, and you've got to take the best side you can if you even want to get a win we were very close last year but um, take nothing away from them it's going to be very tough and I don't know I, I, I think there'll be a couple of a few changes I think maybe a few of the old sort of the regulars as it were you may not try out I don't know the new Alago etc but um, maybe not too much of a change to be honest with you but yeah going to be tough and Lee, what what are your thoughts? Do you do you see some changes? I think something that's quite interesting. This is the um, is it the second game now in three that we've actually had to swap players because there's been little niggles, little injuries during the warm up. Um, uh, but you know that aside, who, how do you see us lining up against Quinns? Many changes or not? I think we will have a few changes. I I can see. Um, I, I agree with Miles. I think some of the internationals may be rested. Um, I, I was going to say actually, um, Sinclair might be rested for a little bit, but because it's Quinns, I'm not quite sure. He, he, I think he'd want to play in this game. Um, I see Joycey coming in. Um, what's the latest on Bowie as well with the injury? Because he, he wasn't far away, but then like. Uh, what's happened since then? Have I missed something? Is he? No, is I, he I, don't, I don't think you have, Lee. I mean, uh, he he was evidently he was touch and go, wasn't he, for that game two or three weeks ago? But we, we mm. haven't really had an update on on the situation, which is a little bit worrying when you were that close yeah. to uh, you were being named in the team on the whatever it was the um, the Friday, but then um, not making it because of a late fitness test. Um, but that, and, and not mentioned since. No, absolutely. So a little, a little bit worrying there. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I think it would be I interesting think to see. Thomas comes back in as well, Tim. For Dan who? Thomas comes back in for me for for Earl. Um, I know that might be that's probably controversial, but I think that Earl might get a little bit of a rest because even though he's been steady, I don't think he's been quite as dynamic as he as he was previously for um, the last few weeks, um, and. Yeah, I, and I do think we'll probably maybe keep to it. Apart from that, probably keep to a similar side. OK, and Pete, uh, what, what do you think about the point that he uh, Lee made there about Sinclair? Can you see this is a game that he'll be rested? Or do you think he'd want to be there firing at the stoop? Um, and also, you know, if Semi Ranrandra is close to uh, fitness, how would we shuffle that back line to accommodate him? If well, would we? Well, to our first question, I, I, I'm, I'm conflicted about Sinclair. I I quite like the idea of him going back there because I, I I'd like to think that he's had his wobble a little bit of leaving, but you know, I think he's now embedded. He's had a good game this yesterday and perhaps we 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 you know it would fire him up but I think I'm slightly concerned about his temperament and if he's up against someone like Joe Marler you know that there's going to be some chat to undermine him and I do wonder whether that would be a massive target for Harlequins to get under his skin and uh 
you know, they know him inside out, don't they? And they'll know all of his little weaknesses and all the buttons to press. So I do wonder whether Pat will give him a give him a rest. Um, so yes, I don't know. That I think we'll find out, won't we? We'll, we'll see. I mean, Pat. I don't know whether Pat would, would you know goes into that sort of thing. He, 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 does he does he uh, put up with that, or, or did he? Would he just say to, to Carl, "You're a pro. You get on. And you do your job." Or, or does he? Is he more nuanced in, in some of these things? We'll uh, we'll find out. Um, go back to your question about semi. I mean, like the other week, I was saying he might not come back in. He might be on the bench, and everyone poo pooed me, and then he didn't. Oh, that had nothing to do with you. But I mean, how can you drop Piers O'Connor at the moment, and how can you drop Siali? I mean, I know Siali had a stupid yellow, and we could let him off for that, but he's been a real, really important part of our very good start to the season. To be honest, yeah, it's a hell of a question. If you're coming back from an injury and Quinns are the sort of team that if you can get on top of them, then it, it opens up a bit. What he To me, Semi would be a fantastic player to bring on in the second half to just ruin them. And, you know, can you imagine that they, their heart's sinking when they see uh, Semi coming on in the second half? Uh, I just think, I just think it, it, he potentially could be on the bench. And, it, you know, it's no bad thing to remind him that he's part of a team. I know he's a humble guy, but... You know, just because he's a, you know, he's well paid, you don't automatically get straight back in. And I, so I, I suspect that we might start with our Ciali O'Connor centre and, and Radrad if he's free, big semi Randranga. Um, who who do we have on the wings? Well, I think he's going to carry on with Nulago, isn't he? I think he's, he's 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 prepping him up, and then that would be a good game for him. I think it'll be a bit more yeah. open, um, Quinns, and I think he'll get a chance. And I think. Uh, well, I mean, Lloyd. I mean, Lloyd could just play anywhere, can't he? I mean, yeah. I, I was a bit. I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about playing on the wing. He's out. You know, I can see full back and fly off. I've never heard of him as a wing, and he he looked fine, and, I, and he took that try really well, didn't he? I don't know. Why not start with the young with the lad? I mean, it's almost hard not to find any reason not to pick him at the moment because everything yeah. will go. He, he defensively looked good, kept temperament good. I mean, he took that, the one thing, he took that really quick penalty, didn't he, against Connor, and, and made about 50 yards, and I don't know. We'll see. Well, I think I think one of the interesting things for me is that, uh, as Pat said, when we interviewed him uh, a few weeks ago for the 50th episode, he's got to give all these boys two weeks off the internationals um, between now and the start of the Six Nations, which I think kicks off 5th, 6th of February. So where do you fit them all in? So is, is the likes of uh, Malins or Sheedy or, um, you know, Lloyd going to get a rest um, over this next week or two? Um, and I do wonder as well with the whole tier four thing in London, whether that will change um, maybe the timing of things because you could have almost seen the boys that have come down from London, Sinclair and the two Saracen boys, maybe saying to them, you know, um, either play the Quinns game and then stay up yeah. there for a couple of weeks, or, or maybe you know, you 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 miss these two Christmas games and you know have some time with your family and friends, but. Um, you know they 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 can't go to um, London and the South East now. Uh, I mean, actually, it's just as bad in Wales, isn't it? Um, so um, you know wh- whether that's going to be some implications. But you look at the games we've got in January. Where are you going to want to rest them? 
we've got the two Champions Cup game and we can see Pat is really, you know, serious about this competition. We've got Exeter where, you know, you you want to have your strongest team. Uh, and we've also got Bath as well, haven't we? So, you know... <sighs> You, you'd say those four games, you, you really do want your starting 15. So if, yeah. if you're not going to rest people between now and um, the Exeter game, the second weekend in January, um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't want to be resting people during the Champions Cup and uh, against the old enemies. Yeah. Then we're getting close to the Six Nations again, aren't we? Well, absolutely. So, so they, 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 they have to have two weeks off between now and basically the end of January because it, they'll, they'll then go to the Six Nations squad um, after the game against Bath, which is, I don't know, it's 29th, 30th, something like that of, of January. So, uh, you know, he, he, he is going to be forced into a little bit of, uh, of shuffling the pack. And again, as we've spoken on the programme, it's unfortunate that we've got three people that can play fly half that have, have got to be uh, found time for as well. So it's not like you, you've you got five very different positions. Um, full back and fly half are going to be the problems there. Um, just before we move on, and we, we mentioned the Champions Cup, and something I did want to talk about when we were talking about the Connaught game as well, um, is the whole um, issues of the games being um, uh, cancelled um, or forfeited because of COVID. Lee, I'm going to come to you. Um, you know, are we already now in a situation where this uh, changed format for this year has already lost something? When you think, you know, Exeter Chiefs, um, as as far as the the history books will go, um, uh, lost twenty eight nil, defending European champions, uh, and are now sit um, in uh, seventh place in in the pool table. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I wrote the, the the piece for the post um, today and alluding to the same thing. Tone, I mean, I mean, it is unfortunate, and I do I do appreciate that all teams have to sign up and agreed, you know, that that, that games had to be forfeited if uh, there was outbreaks of COVID. But it just feels to me like I mean, I I hate to say this, boys, but I do feel sorry for Bath because. They've played one competitive game um, and then they've ended up now being out of the tournament because of no fault of their own, but playing against a, a team that, uh, against Scarlets that contained players that had positive cases. Um, and I, I just, it, it does tarnish it slightly for me. And I just think that what we don't want to have is, is a final that doesn't contain the best teams. Um, I think any final that is ever contested should have the best two sides that deservedly have reached that final. Um, And I am a bit worried because, I mean, this is just the beginning. We've only had two rounds so far. So... You know, we could have plenty more cases yeah. between and the, now and I mean, the mutant, the mutant variant hasn't got to the rest of Europe. I know. Has it? Yeah. 
We haven't had a chance to spread that around yet, have we? So. <laughs> no, no, no. And Miles, let me come to you. I mean, you know, it is going to be tough. The the the, the way the fixtures are, and it's only the top four that uh, will go through to the quarterfinal of the Champions Cup. But of course, positions five to eight do mean you get a shot uh, at the Challenge Cup. Um, so, do you, do you think that's given some teams, maybe like Bath uh, and Glasgow, a bit of a glimmer of hope that uh, actually they, they 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 might fight on and put strong teams uh, with the, the opportunity to get to the Challenge Cup? I mean, yeah, I half agree. I mean, it's, it, wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad format, to be honest with you, to sort of be knocked out of one sort of Champions Cup and into the, uh, <clears throat> the Challenge Cup. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good idea. And it might be some... <clears throat> Uh, some of these teams have suffered because of COVID. Might now think, well, <coughs> excuse me, there's something, something we can, there's something we can play for. I mean, going back to what sort of Lee said, I mean, it's a, it's a slight shame that they didn't follow the, uh, the the system that I think the Premiership have gone for, isn't it? That we discussed a few pods ago that one team would get four points and the other team would get two. It might have made yeah. a slight slight change, really, and that that seemed like I know Tony didn't quite agree with it but I think the rest of us did that, that could have been a better format really but yeah I mean why not you know it's, it's, it's great to still be in a tournament I guess if you are not going to progress any further in the uh, Champions Cup see I, I, dis- I disagree with that I think uh, for me if like and I, I just obviously saying I felt, so, felt sorry for Bath but for me if you get knocked out of a tournament then you're out of the tournament you shouldn't be given entry into a, another tournament no, I agree with you, Lee. It's it's always got my goat um, with the football, with the, the, the Champions League. You finish third in your group, you have all that TV money and glory, uh, and then, then you drop into the Europa League, uh, which has always seemed yeah. tough. You could, you could argue it's a slightly different context, that. I mean, you, this is a bit of a one-off, isn't it, this year? And mm. I mean, it's going to make... The Challenge Cup quite exciting when you think about it because there's going to be some decent teams playing in that. Um, True, and uh, it's also going to potentially stop having a couple of dead rubbers at the end, which is something we were worried about. Um, and even yeah. if we like Bristol, if we manage to beat Connor at home, and then we've got a big kind of game against. Claremont and we, we've got to go for it on a couple of levels, haven't we? Because we will go for it on potentially on a level of trying to take them to the cleaners and get a, a quarter final place but also going for it on a level of we want to if we don't get it maintain our, our challenge cup sort of um, so I agree I kind of do agree with you because I don't like the football thing at all I, I think I was a load of rubbish in those days but it is a different context and we're talking about a smaller number of teams that are generally a bit more equal um, and this this format is very very um discriminatory to anything that goes wrong like COVID so why why shouldn't there be an opportunity for another couple of really competitive games particularly you know for what? us fans boys come on let's not forget about us we <laughs> well, want to and, see and, some good rugby and also seeing how Claremont played this weekend if if it was bang to the, the last game and we were we were away to them I think we've learned a lot from that first game at Ashton Gate, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we really had to pull it out of the bag. Mm-hmm. We definitely could do it. It would be nice because uh, our our friend Veronique is having a lovely time at the moment on a 
French rugby connections podcast lauding it over all of these amazing French teams. But she seems to forget that Exeter won it last season. And, uh, uh, and you know, when, it, when push comes to shove, uh, when the chips are down, the uh, one or two of these French teams can sometimes be wanting, can't they, Lee? So I agree with you. I think it's uh, there's a lot to play for. Okay, well let's let, let let let's move on. But before we do, just uh, quick predictions uh, for the Quinns game. How you see it going? Not necessarily a score, but uh, who you think is going to win, and uh, whether we'll see any bonus points. So uh, let me come to you first, Miles. Um, how, how do you see the result going on Boxing Day? Uh, very tight. I mean, I'd be surprised if either team managed to sneak out four tries because they're just both very good sides. So, uh, you know, always got to say, suggest this, but a win for our home team, a, a narrow win for Bristol. I'm not sure on the scoreline, but yeah, a, a tough but narrow win for us. Okay, and Pete. I think I think our pack will do them. I think they they're, they're missing a few players, and our front row is solid. I think if our pack doesn't, we've got enough firepower to score a few tries. So I, I'm going to go to a similar result the last time we actually saw live rugby boys. I can't remember what it was, but we beat them relatively handsomely, didn't we, at the, at the, uh, at the gate. And that was the gate, um, 8th of March 2020, the last time we had yeah. a proper crowd and it was 28 points to 15. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go for the same score. Why not? So do you think we'll pick up a bonus point? Yeah. Yeah, and when they bring Semi off the bench <laughs> late on, and of course we won't have Chris Robshaw arguing with the referee non-stop oh, yeah. like uh, <laughs> like like he normally does. Uh, right, so um, Pete's going for a, a bonus point win. Lee, what do you think? Well, I thought you were going to bypass me then, Tom, for a second, <laughs> seeing as I'm, I'm obviously the uh, the champion of the predictor league from last year. Uh, I, I think it will be relatively close as well, but I think it will be ultimately quite comfortable. And I'm, I'm going to go for a 27-18 victory, but without the bonus point. Right. So okay, um, and I, I think it, I think it will be quite tight. I think there'll there'll be. Um, probably five five points in it and uh, I think actually to go to the stoop and come away with four points uh, would be a job well done on Boxing Day Okay, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans, we're available on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many more platforms You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com on Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate, and on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Um, uh, we're recording this on Monday evening, and news has broken today um, on a couple of things. So let's just quickly talk about these. Um, we have a short-term international signing, um, and that is Nahul. Tetaz Shaparo, I probably haven't pronounced that right, but um, um, I uh, that's you did well, Tom. You did well, mate. Thank, thank you. I, I, I'm glad you went first. I, I did write it down really quickly, so it's as much my bad handwriting as actually my inability to correctly pronounce uh, names. Um, uh, an experienced um, tight head, but can play tight head or loose head. Um, joins us in January, 31 years old, 54 caps. 
and uh, Shall I tie you in? Club, he joined at Toronto. Well, I, I will just say... So we, can, that, so we, I, we can double up on the bat on names. OK, I will say that he's previously played for Dragons and Leon, but he's actually joined <laughs> us from an Argentinian club, which um, Lee, in his best Bristolian accent, will now pronounce. Juarez. See, I would have said... You signed him from Juarez. I would have said Los Jaguars myself. <laughs> Jaguars. Jaguars. Um, but, uh, but, 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 well, Tony, I mean, one Argentinian state leaves going for Christmas and he thinks he's an expert in South American now, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to believe Lee on this one occasion. That, that, that's right. He's, he, he's got an Argentinian stake and he's seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, so he's, he, 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 he's an expert. But Pete, let me come to you. What, what do you make of this signing? Well, he's, gonna, he's definitely going to add a bit of beef to the front row, isn't he, Tony? He certainly is, isn't he? <laughs> I'm, looking forward to see, I'm looking forward to see him stake his claim in the team. <laughs> Brilliant, love it. Two buns in one. Uh, I mean, it it is good to see someone have someone that is that experienced. I mean, the guy played in that uh, unforgettable game where Argentina beat the All Blacks recently. Um, so hugely experienced. You don't get fifty plus caps for a, a team like Argentina and not have something no. about you. So uh, yeah, yeah look, look look forward really to seeing him. Yeah, yeah um, really good. I think he's going to be class for us. And absolutely, in a long line of Argentinian players, when you go back to Contoponi and Pichot um, and all the people that have, have been here since. So um, that, that looks really good and we hopefully we'll, we'll see him in a, a bare shirt soon. Um, let me come to Miles now. Another bit of news that broke today was that the championship season that had been slated to start in January uh, is now lined up to start in early March. Uh, and they've decided they're going to split the league into two pools of six. So uh, teams will play each other home and away. And then the two champions of those pools will play a two-legged final to decide who gets uh, the title and uh, promoted back to the Premiership. Um, what, what do you make of it, Miles? Well, <laughs> well, it's a massive, yeah, it's a massive change from what we would put in our days of the Championship, isn't it? But uh, what a two-legged final? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, not that, but it's something that uh, certainly Tony and his uh, has been sort of champing at the bit for for years, isn't he? A sort of pool stage, as it were. And I think it's great, really. I mean, a few. Yeah, a few sort of negative comments from rugby fans that typically you're going to find Saracens and Ealing in either pool. And is really, is that going to be the two-leg final? Well, most likely, but I think it's quite exciting, really. And uh, great to see the lower league of rugby getting underway, um, if not a bit delayed. And Pete, I, I think I, I read somewhere that um, the way they've done it, they, they've taken the, um, if just adjusting it for the team that got promoted and the one that came up, but they've put teams 1, 3, 5, 7, uh, 9 and 11 on one side of the uh, pool and all the even numbers on the other side. So they have tried to balance it up a little bit. Um, but do you, do you see anything other than a Saracens-Ealing final? Uh, no. <laughs> Not really. I think uh, I I can't I can't even look at 
this moment in time, Tone, I'm losing the will. I can't even remember what other teams are in the championship. Um, so uh, I think I think it's it's it, it makes sense. I mean, they they want to they've got to make it interesting. I think the interesting thing about it is that um, because of that start date, none of those. Saracens players that stayed with them, you know, Atoji and Farrell, will have played a game, competitive game, before the Six Nations, won't they? So, um, and obviously, I assume they're going to get picked for England, but are they? I don't know. That that it's that's slightly more interesting, if not got nothing to do with the championship competition at all. Um, so I don't know what they're going to be doing to keep themselves ticking over. No, but fingers crossed that you know the championship clubs can survive till March, and yeah. uh, you know that we'll we'll see some good rugby then. Uh, obviously, quite a shortened season because they've got to play the final, I think, in June um, to uh, make sure all the uh, Lions boys that uh, are in Saracens team can uh, can can go off if if selected. So, uh, going to be a pretty intense um, kind of 10, 11 weeks for those championship teams, but. But great to see that. And of course, the only thing we have got to keep our fingers crossed is is that actually it will start on the 6th of March as well. Because, uh, you know, as we, we've talked about already, you know, the worsening situation with COVID in this mutant strain. Um, I think, you know, you, you can't guarantee much at the moment. Um, uh, one other thing, um, Lee, we predicted on the pod that um, the European shirts would be available online um, this week. And of course, uh, they were, but um, maybe not in huge quantities. But we didn't say that tone, did we? <laughs> we didn't say it would be huge quantities, but we did say they would be available online. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Uh, thanks for giving me this question because it's it's, uh, it's a lovely one to fill this one. But um, why why aren't they in the shop in bigger quantities? That that is my uh, that is my question really because they really sold uh, a lot of the shirts initially, and obviously me and Pete were were intelligent enough to be able to you know pick, pick one up straight away and notice the beauty of it. But yeah, why why aren't we getting those shirts in bigger volumes so that everyone can get one for Christmas because they are so popular. I mean, they're brilliant. Um, it just seems bizarre to me. No, absolutely. It does seem strange. Um, that I think I, I looked this evening, I think the, sh- the, the shirts were online about lunchtime, but already I, I think virtually every size up to three or four XL had sold out uh, in the men's shirts. Uh, and I think the the ladies, the eights, the tens, and the twelves were already sold out, and that's just in half a day. So, it, it you know it it does make you wonder why why we aren't ordering more stock. But uh, anyway, the good news that uh, the shirts were back in, and uh, a few Bristol Bears fans will will be having those uh, before Christmas. Um, well that's it for this show Um, if you like what you've heard please leave a review or rating uh, for us and uh, share the Bears Beyond the Gate message with your fellow Bristol rugby fans we're up and running in the Champions Cup with a hard fought win in Ireland let's hope we can build on that with another away victory at the Stoop on Boxing Day until then goodbye stay safe and a very Merry Christmas to all of our listeners